still find it weird that that's a title um, that people call me, but that's cool. I'm Josh. You can just call me Josh. But um, welcome to church this morning. I got really excited this morning because I was standing at the back and I was seeing all the backs of your heads. And uh, some of you have really good haircuts. No, I was very excited because what an awesome thing that we get to come under the Word of God this morning and hear from God. And I just looked over you all and I was just like, man, God bless them. God strengthen them. God reveal yourself to them. So I pray this morning, it's my heart's desire and it's God's heart's desire that you have open ears to hear His voice, that the living God speaks to you this morning, that He speaks into your circumstance, that His Word renews your mind and changes your heart, that you come face to face with the God of glory. Like, I hope this isn't just a Sunday morning for you. I hope this is a meeting place between God and man where you come near to the Holy of Holies. I'm going to be talking about prayer this morning, and I've not forgotten that I have a Bible reader who's going to read the passage. Um, actually, I might get him up now if, um, if you can come up and read the passage for us. The, the scripture is from Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn to it. All right, so Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows we need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Thanks. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's what the Word of God says when you, when you come to God with the right heart, when you pray to the Father, He will hear your prayers. Now some of you might have thought, oh no, we're pre preaching on prayer this morning. I'm going to be honest with you, I used to hate it when a pastor would preach on prayer. This was many years ago, not in the last month. <laughs> I used to hate it. I used to roll my eyes because I thought, oh, that's such a boring topic. Like press, you know, boring, you know, you go and you close your door and it's dark and you start thinking about Netflix, you start thinking about what you're going to eat for food, all sorts of things. And you end up walking out of there going, oh, I've ticked that box. That's not what it's like to pray. That's not the way Jesus prayed. When Jesus prayed, he actually was heard by the Father. His prayers were answered and God spoke back to him. And that's the kind of prayer life that we can have when we come to the Father in the name of the Son. It's exciting. It's good. Someone's calling me. Tell Marcus, be gone. Yeah, Satan's trying to distract from the Word. No. Um... I, uh, I have some stories for you, and they're not stories from the gym. I have fresh stories from you, for you. Sorry. I've actually not been working out lately. Please don't tell me that you noticed. Um, so, uh, a couple of months ago, I shared on uh, 
the Great Commission. So at the end of Matthew, you know, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you to do. Now, I said to you that I was being honest with you, and I said, look, I haven't baptized someone in water for a very long time. And so I was challenged by my own sermon, and I was praying to God, and I said, God, I really want to fulfill the Great Commission. Like, this is a command for your disciples to go out, make disciples, baptizing them in water. And I said, God, I'd really like to be able to do that. I'd like to be able to obey that verse. And um, God is a God who answers prayers. We have a living God. I was on Facebook um, maybe three or four weeks ago, and some lady posted, can, can someone please baptize me and my family? But it was on, I think, Sunshine Coast Community Board, and there were so many people commenting. And I knew a lot of them because they were from various cults. I had the Mormons on there commenting, saying, hey, we'll baptize you in the Mormon temple. Um, there was other cults that I won't name because it offends some people, but that's okay. Um, there were all these groups, and then I comment, there was Roman Catholics on there saying, we can baptize you anytime you want. And I was like, all right, well, I'll put my voice out there. I said, I'd love to baptize you. Like, that's great. It's a response of obedience saying, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. I want to say no to sin and yes to God. I want to follow you. I said, yeah, why delay it? Let's do it. And um, out of all the cults and all the various comments on there, she messaged me. And it, and it, and it was just, she, she even said to me, she's like, I felt like God led me to, to respond to yours and not theirs. What an awesome thing. And I baptized her, I baptized her husband, and I baptized her son. Wonderful. I baptized them in the ocean, and there was a rip, and it was scary. So it really nearly did picture death and resurrection. But no, it was awesome. How's this? You know, I wanted to make sure that it was a real thing for them. And so I spent about half an hour talking to them, and they said, look, during the COVID period, we realized Satan was real. We realize that there's a satanic agenda that rules this world. And we thought, well, if Satan's real, then God must be real too. And it drove them to the Bible. And they started as a family reading the Word of God. They read the whole of Genesis as a family. They read the whole of Exodus as a family. They got to Leviticus and a friend said, why don't you try reading about Jesus in the New Testament? And so they read the entire, the entire book of Matthew as a family. And uh, they got to a, a point where they were like, you know, we want to make a decision to follow Jesus. We want to put our peg in the ground that he is our Lord. He is our king. And so I said, I'm not going to argue with you. Like, let's baptize. We get baptized in response to what you've read. So God's doing a wonderful work in their family. Um, they, let's just pray for them quickly. Because, um, yeah, Father in heaven, we just ask that you would be blessing this family. Lord, bless them for their obedience. Lord, get them connected to a local body of believers where they could grow in the knowledge of you, where they could be surrounded by other Christians who could share the word of God with them. Lord, strengthen them and keep them and protect them from the evil one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, that's one praise report, a God who answers prayer, the living God. A second one, I've obviously been praying a lot that you know God would just use me in general ways. And uh, I was down in Brisbane and I needed to catch an Uber. And it was a really awkward timing. Like, I wasn't supposed to catch an Uber. I was supposed to have lots of time down there, but it was a last-minute thing, but it was obviously God-ordained. I get into this, this Uber car, and this, this gentleman starts talking, and uh, he, he's of Chinese descent, broken English, and everything like this. And uh, it started off normal, and then he's like, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. He's like, are you good with relationships? 
And I was like, um, well, I've been married for like five years, if that counts. And he said, okay, that'll do. And he just, he spent 15 minutes telling me his whole relational life story and how this woman he's dating, he has to make a decision tonight if he's going to marry her or not and all sorts of things. It was like straight out of like a telenovela or something. And uh, yeah, so it got to a point where I said to him, well, you know, do you have a religion? Like, does your family have a religious belief or anything like that? He said, no, 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 um, not, not in China. He said, uh, but then he goes, oh, actually, yeah, we do. We, we, we worship a God of money. And I was like, okay. He's like, no, really, we have a God of money. And he told me all about this day that they set aside. And it sounds like more of a, a good luck sort of system. But I said, do you know the problem with these other gods? I said, they let you down. I said, you could be living for money and then have it all ripped out from underneath of you and you're left with nothing. I said, the problem with turning to alcohol is the same thing. It might cover your wounds for, for a moment in time, but it leaves you broken and empty. I said, I serve God, the real God, the, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator. And I said to him, why don't you try going to your maker? I said, if you have a problem with this Uber car, you're going to want to open up the manual and you're going to want to look and see what that, that flash engine light means. Why don't you turn to the God who created you? And he said, no one has ever told me that before. No one has ever challenged me to seek my maker. And then he said, well, um, you know, how can God answer my prayers? And I said, well, you're an answer to my prayer because I've been asking that God would make me a blessing to someone and I'm in your car. And um, so I prayed with him and the last words he said to me when I got out of the car is he said, thank you so much. He said, you might have just changed my life. He's like, I'm going to go off. I'm going to seek my maker. So really cool. I also shared with him about Christ. I also shared with him that the word of God is the owner's manual. He needs to look at the Bible and see what God has to say about things. And there's a God of wisdom who will impart that with him if he seeks him. So good things are happening. God is a God who answers prayers. So we're going to talk about prayer this morning. Good prayer, prayer that works, prayer that's effective. Now, Jesus was a man of prayer. You know, we read in the life of Jesus, for example, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So it was the habit of Jesus to wake up before everyone else while it was still dark and get alone with his Father. You know, often when we look at the ministry of Jesus, we think of the spectacular. Here's a man who had authority to command evil spirits to leave people's bodies. Here's a man who could heal the sick. Here's a man who could preach with boldness and authority. But we forget that Jesus had quiet time with his Father, both in the morning and in the evening. So, for example, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night in prayer to God. He is our example. He is the anointed one. He's the one who lived the life that we should have lived. He's the righteous one. He set an example, a pattern for us, how we should seek the Father. So before we attempt great things for God, let's get alone with God. Let's hear from God. Let's be refreshed by God. Let's be empowered by God so that when we go to the people, we have something to give them. Too many Christians are running on fumes. They're running on empty. They don't have anything to give anyone because they've not first received from the Father. Let's follow our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus never prayed the Lord's Prayer. He taught us to pray that prayer. Some people have called it the prayer of the disciples. Um, but this was a template that framed the way that Jesus wanted us to pray and seek the Father. You can pray the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing wrong with saying, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, and repeating it. 
but it's not it's not like a recipe or like a spell or something like that that if you say it enough times God's going to hear you remember in the reading this morning not you know God doesn't desire vain repetitions or meaningless repetitions he wants meaningful prayer he wants it to come from the heart he wants honesty you know truth in the inward man is what it says in the scriptures so we're going to learn from the Lord's Prayer. We're going to learn a template of how we should seek the face of God, of how we should address God, and how we can receive answers to prayer just like the Lord Jesus did. So the prayer begins with, Our Father who is in heaven. Can we have the um, PowerPoint on the slide, please? Yeah, cool. Our Father who is in heaven. Now Jesus could have said, My God who is in heaven, but he didn't. He said, Our Father. I want you to notice the plurality in this prayer. He's not even just saying, my Father in heaven. He's inviting you and I into this relationship. Our Father who is in heaven. It's very important to notice that. But for a lot of us in here, we, well, actually most of us hopefully do know him as Father. There may be some of you who don't know God as Father. To you, he might seem like a distant God, like a God who doesn't act, like a God who doesn't speak. You can know God as your Father. Jesus said, um, I am the way. This is in John chapter 14. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In another place, Jesus said, I am the door. Anyone who comes, they can enter by me, through me, and they'll find green pasture. Jesus invites you to come to the Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He invites you into that relationship, but you have to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't come on your own merits. You know, we often talk about being sinners and that God is holy. How can a holy God have a relationship with a broken sinner, someone who's wrapped and warped in their own selfishness, someone who harms others? Well, God can forgive you because of the cross. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for you, it was for the cleansing of your sin so that you could stand before God whole and holy in his sight because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Now, you might feel unworthy to call him as your father, just like the prodigal son. If you remember the story of the prodigal son, he said, when he came to himself after living a life of sin, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired servants. And what did the father do? He said, kill the fatted calf, bring, bring the best robe here, clothe him. My son was dead and now he is alive. You can have that kind of response from the Father in heaven if only you will come and acknowledge your guilt, acknowledge your sin before Him, and He will cleanse you, and He will clothe you with the robes of righteousness so that you could stand before Him clean. Prayer is about relationship. It, that, that Father language, our Father who is in heaven, it's about relationship with the Father God. Jesus said in John 17 verse 3, This is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who you have sent. That's eternal life. You want to have everlasting life? Everlasting life is found in knowing God and knowing His Son, being connected to them forever and ever. That is eternal life. It's not about getting to a destination. It's about being with the person of God. How wonderful. And we can experience that in this life. Now, some of you might have had dodgy fathers, you know, fathers who let you down, fathers who weren't fatherly in their love and affection towards you, fathers that maybe didn't protect you. I don't want to ignore that. But Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father in heaven. He was the perfect revelation of Father, 
God in heaven on earth. And so when you study the life of Jesus, that's the kind of father that God in heaven is like. That's the one who we come to. He's someone trustworthy. He's someone who cared about people and their suffering. He's someone who would weep with Mary when she lost her brother. That's the kind of God that we worship. That's the kind of God that we adore. That's our Father in heaven. The Lord Jesus perfectly revealed the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. I'm a dad now, as most of you know. Shout out to my son over there. <laughs> yeah, woo. It's really cool. He's a year and a half. Go say hello to him. He'll make your day. Now, my, my son has needs. Uh, if you've got kids, you know what I mean. But there's big needs and there's small needs. You know, he needs food, of course. But he also needs protection from geckos. My son's scared of geckos. <laughs> you know, and so when I go out at nighttime, he, he grips onto me because of the geckos. I could get lost on this sidetrack, so I'm going to pause there. I want you to know that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is a better father than I am and a better father than you are. He's... You know, the scripture says in Matthew 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? We have a Father in heaven who is better than our earthly fathers. So I want you to remember that as you approach Him in prayer. Now, it's, it says, Our Father who is in heaven. Why is it important that we remember the dwelling place of God, that God dwells in heaven? Well, firstly, because when we recognize that God that fills the heavens and the earth, that God is the one that we're petitioning in our prayers. So He's a mighty God. He's not a weak God. He's not a God who can't answer. He's a powerful God. He created the heavens and the earth. Isaiah 66 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all these things my hand has made. And by me all these things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is a poor and contrite spirit, who trembles at my word. God promises to look upon those who are poor of spirit, those who come to him realizing that he is their salvation, he is their healer, he is their hope. He will look upon that one, the one who trembles, takes seriously God's word. We need a change of perspective to stop looking at our earthly circumstances and start looking to our Father who is in heaven, who is above all, who has the power to save and deliver. When the disciples were being persecuted in Acts chapter 4, um, they began their prayer by saying, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They reminded themselves as they praised God who he was, that he was the creator of the heavens and the earth. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Weird language. I must admit, I had to do some research on this because I don't use the word hallowed in English um, ever. But hallowed just means to make holy, means to, to revere, to set apart. You know, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying, God, make your name great again. God, that you would be feared among the nations that your people would honor you with their lips and their hearts. God, that there would be purity of heart in your people, your church. We long for the name of God to be glorified in this place. You know, when I think of people who go out and heal the sick and they pray for them in the name of Jesus, yes, Jesus did that out of compassion on the sick. He wanted to show the compassionate part of God. But he also did it for the glory of God, that you would know 
um, the power of God and the greatness of His name. You know, the Scriptures say, we think of the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And often people will talk about, hey, you know, don't swear, don't say God, da-da-da, you know. Um, I won't say it from the stage. Uh, you know, and people think of that as taking the name of God's name in vain. But for, for the Word of God, what it says about that is not, it's not using God's name as a swear word. It's saying, I'm a follower of God, but living like you haven't actually met Him. Living like God is not holy. Living like God turns a blind eye to sin. That's not the God that's described in, in His Word. Romans chapter 2, verse 21. Paul is addressing Jews who are living hypocritical lives. And he said, You therefore who teach another... Do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through the breaking of the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. I don't want to blaspheme the name of God. I don't want to be swearing in my workplace and have someone say, oh, I thought he was a Christian. I don't want to have someone to say, oh, look, another hypocritical follower of Jesus. I want the name of God to be lifted high, to be honored, so that all people would come to know him, so that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. So hopefully that's your heart this morning. You know, the, the early part of this prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That first half of the prayer is all about God. Do you start your prayers like that when you pray of a morning? Are you concerned about the honor of God's name? Are you concerned about what God thinks of our worship? Like when you came here, was it all about, I hope the music sounds good, I hope they choose my favorite songs? Or was it, God, I hope we come to you with right hearts. I hope our lips line up with our hearts. God, is this pleasing in your ears? When was the last time you paused and thought about the honor of God? I want us to think about that this morning. We come first to God, and then we make our petition second. It's God first, us second. Your kingdom come. Now, there's a future kingdom that this speaks of, but also a present kingdom. We'll start with the future kingdom. Your kingdom come. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, According to His promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What a hope. We're longing for a time in the future where Jesus is enthroned as King and there is no more death, no more sickness, no more violence, everything brought under the submission of God. That's the future kingdom. That's our future hope. It says it well in Revelation chapter 21. I think that's the second last, no, it might be the last chapter in Revelation. Anyways, you can look it up later. Revelation 21 verse 1 to 5. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. In the future, God's going to give you a new body that won't ever have cancer, that won't ever have sickness, and you will live forever and ever under his rulership in a place where there's no more death, no more pain. It's going to be a wonderful time of being with our Lord forever and ever. 
That's the future kingdom. Your kingdom come. We're longing for that future kingdom. But it's also a kingdom now. We're longing that the kingdom of God advances now in the lives of people around us. When Jesus appeared to Paul in his vision and he was struck with blindness, Paul expounded upon what the Lord Jesus said to him in this vision form in Acts chapter 26, verse 17. Jesus, speaking to Paul, said, I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are set apart by faith in me. That was the commissioning of Paul. I now send you to turn them from the power of Satan to God, to God's kingdom. Like it says in Colossians chapter 1, God's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's our hope now. We, we, we enter this, this kingdom experience where we have right relationship with God, where there's no longer um, Satan interfering with our relationship with God. That's actually, let me just retract that. We're still obviously under attack by Satan, but the idea is that we bring our, our hearts before him as our king and we serve him. We make a decision to come under his lordship and experience his power. And in submission to him, we can gain the victory. J.I. Packer put it this way, God's kingdom exists whenever men enthrone Jesus as master of their lives. Now, Jesus' main message was repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near to you, or the kingdom of heaven is within reach. That was his message. The good news of the kingdom was that it had come near. And he did that as he healed bodies, as he delivered people from demonic oppression. Now, I bit off a lot to chew this morning, the whole Lord's Prayer. I was warned uh, by Zonia last week. She's like, are you going to do the whole Lord's Prayer? And I said quite pridefully, Zonia, it's only a few verses. So uh, I do repent in humility. It's, it's a lot. So we're only scratching the surface this morning. But my hope out of this is that when you think about the Lord's Prayer going home today, you'll, you'll think about it more deeply. As you read the Word of God, you'll see verses connecting with one another and you'll go, wow, like, God, it's for your glory. And wow, your kingdom, God, what do you mean by your kingdom? And you'll dig deeper and the Lord will reveal even more truth to you. That's my hope for you this morning. Hopefully it will enrich your prayer life. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. When we say this, we're acknowledging that the things that are done on earth are not what God's plan is. Like, quite frankly, like, does God want people to suffer? Does God want people to hurt one another? That's not God's desire. That's not God's will. See, we're not living in heaven now you know this is a mixture this is um a world that's plagued with what's called the prince or, or the god of this age who has blinded the minds of those who don't believe and there's selfishness there's pride there's people hurting one another um we often blame god for the problem of evil but we are living in generation after generation of rebellion against god as descendants of adam and eve a, a, a people who rebelled and their children rebelled and their children's children rebelled. We've been brought into that kind of world. Jesus said to his disciples though, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So when we're praying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, we're denying ourselves. We're laying aside our desires to live, to please God. And Jesus did this in the garden. You remember he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he repeated that prayer in front of the disciples. So there's nothing wrong with repetition in prayer. It was meaningful repetition. 
It was, it was prayer and faith that there's a loving Heavenly Father who hears and answers. How can we know the will of God? Well, His Word. We need to get into the Word of God. Um, yeah, sorry. Give us this day our daily bread is uh, the next line. Now, bread speaks of food. Uh, literally food in the in the first century like that's one of their main staples of their diet they ate bread they ate fish you see it in the scriptures often that that was what they were eating that was what they were munching on um i just wanted to say munching through the microphone good word munching my son's a munchkin all right what we learn from this firstly is that the father cares about your small needs as well as your big needs Obviously, in the first century, if you didn't have food, you starved and died. It's true in this, in this time period, too, but we often forget that because, you know, food is so abundant in our country. But God does care that you bring your small needs to Him. You know, I'm, as a father, I'm not too busy to blow bubbles for my son. I'm not too busy to protect him from geckos. You know, I, I delight in providing for him in the small things as well as the large. And the Father in Heaven is a greater Father than you and I are. Now, you might be thinking daily bread. Does that bring any remembrance in your mind to any other scripture in, in the Old Testament? Daily bread. Well, for me, it brought up the idea of the manna in the wilderness. You remember Israel, when they were brought out of Egypt through the Red Sea, when God was with them in the wilderness, it says that he fed them with supernatural bread from heaven. And he fed them every morning. But they were only to collect enough for themselves and their families um, not to collect enough to carry over to a following day. In fact, if they kept collected more than their daily ration, the next day when they would open it up, there'd be worms and a stench. The Lord intended that day by day they would live by faith in Him. They would live trusting in the provision of God. And it wasn't a provision that was for the next 40 years in the wilderness. It was a day by day trusting in Him. And this is the same way that we as believers need to live. We need to live by a day-by-day -day provision and a day-by-day -day trust in Him. You know, uh, well, Jesus explains it in Matthew chapter 6 later on. Um, he explains that, you know, don't worry. He says, Matthew 6.31, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all of these things the Gentiles seek, or those who don't believe, they're seeking after these things. But your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Some of us here really struggle with anxiety. I'm one of them. I have, I have issues with anxiety, and it sometimes spirals me into bouts of depression. But often my anxiety comes down to too much forward thinking. I'm thinking about, you know, what am I, what's going to happen in six months' time? Am I going to have enough finances to pay my loan down in six months when I come off, you know, my, my fixed-rate loan? Am I going to have this issue or this issue, like weeks in the future? The Lord says, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Lord wants you to focus on the here and now. He will give you bread to satisfy your need today. Your needs that you have for today, not for a month from now, but for today, He will satisfy your needs. You know, often when we run into financial difficulties, we think, God, if you could just give me this massive lump sum of money, I wouldn't have to worry about the future. And often it, we always like seem to manage like just at the last moment. But God is a provider for today's 
issues. Um, and again, it comes down to faith. Do you have faith that he's a loving father, that he hears you, that he knows your needs? He asks us, rather than focusing on your anxieties, he says, cast your cares upon him or cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. He wants to carry the weight of those things so that you can seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Your priority can be advancing his kingdom and then God will look after your kingdom. Sounds good? Now, again, there's a plurality here. It says, give us our daily bread. Us and our. It's not just about you getting your needs met. It's also petitioning God so that you would have an abundance to share with one another. Isn't that great? You know, Jesus explains this uh, in the parallel to this Lord's Prayer. Um, If you read in Luke chapter 11, the same prayer is given. And it finishes with an explanation of the bread. Jesus said, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him bread uh, because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. So Jesus actually invites us to be like a man who goes to a friend at midnight saying, I've got nothing to set before this person. Now in your life, that might mean, hey, I've got a friend going through a relationship breakdown. What do I say to them, God? And you might not get an answer straight away, but he invites us to keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. Lord, give me wisdom for this situation. Lord, give me a special word for this person. Lord, give me a word of comfort for this person who's afflicted in this season. Lord, give me wisdom to reach the lost, my friends and family who don't know you. God, provide for me so that I can provide for them. That should be, that should be our prayer, that we receive an abundance of provision, not only for our needs, but that we can meet the needs of others too. And this includes praying for the lost. Back to the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Firstly, good news, God forgives sin. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to stand before God condemned. The scripture says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can stand before God clean because of what he's done for you on the cross. People owe you debts. Lots of people owe you debts. And they have failed you. They've failed to serve you the way they should have served you. And they've actually inflicted harm upon you as well. Like we owe love to one another, but we don't always show it. And worse than actually not giving love is actually giving something the opposite of love, hurting one another. You know, we've been wronged by others. And it's easy to cling on to that and say, well, I deserved better from that person. And and to grow bitter in our hearts towards them and to grow resentful and hold on to hurt. But the scripture says that we are to forgive others in the same manner that God has forgiven the debt that we owe him. And ultimately, when we sin, it's against God that we have primarily sinned. The, the end of the Lord's Prayer, the very next verse was just right here, straight after the Lord's Prayer says, For if you will not forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also... Sorry. If you will forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. If you are holding on to unforgiveness 
This, according to Jesus, God will not forgive you until you forgive the person who's wronged you. That doesn't mean you have to go back and be best friends with them. It doesn't mean that you have to have any relationship with them whatsoever. But from the heart, you need to choose to let go of the debt that they owe you. They owe you a debt. And you have to trust that God is a good God, that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. God is the God of justice. We're not to take vengeance ourselves. We're not to repay evil for evil. The scripture says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. We're to cancel the debts that others owe us. But if we don't cancel the debts they owe us, God in heaven will not cancel your debts. Some of you, when you pray, it feels like you're coming up against a brick wall in heaven. And you are because you've not forgiven one another. Until you forgive those who are indebted to you, God will not forgive you. We need an open heaven to God. But this is, this is the condition that you forgive men the trespasses that they've done against you in the same way that God in his patience, in his love, in his mercy towards you has forgiven you in Christ. Like how wonderful of a forgiver is God? We've done so much worse to God um, than anyone could ever possibly do to us. So cancel the debt that people owe us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some, some translations say deliver us from the evil one. Regardless, it's the same concept. We want deliverance from anything that resembles the enemy, anything that resembles sin or rebellion against God. First thing I want to say is that God doesn't lead anyone into sin. This isn't saying, please don't cause me to sin, God. James chapter 1 makes this point. James 1 verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. So God's not the one tempting you. What we're praying when we're praying, lead us not into temptation, we're actually crying out in humility. We're saying, God, I, I'm not strong in myself. Like, don't let me go out and try to go to battle against sin in my own strength. It is humility that, that Jesus wants the disciples to pray and he wants us to pray because the scripture promises that God will give grace to the humble, but God also resists the proud person. Some of you are constantly in cycles of sin because you lack humility. You try to go out in the battle in your own strength. You think that, hey, I've been forgiven of my sins. I'm a Christian. Thou shall not swear in the workplace. And you go to work and you start telling dirty jokes and you fall again. And you wonder why. It's because you're trying to do it in your own willpower. You need salvation. You need strength that comes from the Lord. It's not in you. It's a cry of humility to say, Lord, deliver us from evil. And some of you will say, well, I'm not prideful when I go against sin. I, have, I already have that theology. I already believe that, you know, God is my deliverer. I already believe I can't overcome sin without his strength. You can say that with your lips, but if you're not daily coming before the Father in prayer, saying, Father, I'm weak. Father, I need you. Father, give me strength to overcome temptation. If you're not coming to him like that, you're actually showing that you actually have pride in your heart. You're actually showing that you think you can do it without praying. Jesus said you can't do it without praying. Remember earlier in the passage of um, this Matthew chapter 6, it says to pray to your Father who is in secret. Often people will sin in secret. 
The secret place is that place at nighttime. You know, maybe when the alcohol comes out, maybe when the pornography comes out. It's that place of shame. It's that place where you don't want the world to see that you're rebelling against God. And that very secret place is supposed to be the place where you set up an altar to worship the Lord. That secret place is supposed to be a place of prayer. And that's where you'll get the victory. D.L. Moody's um, disciple who ended up taking over after he passed away, R.A. Torrey, said, The reason why many fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. The reason why others succeed is because they've gained the victory on their knees long before the battle came. Anticipate your battles, fight them on your knees before temptation comes, and you will always have the victory. And that's true. We say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can only do that connected to the Father in prayer. You can't do that disconnected. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. If you're not abiding in him, you can't bear any fruit in your own strength. You'll be, a, you'll be a branch that's fallen off the tree and you'll wither up and die. Abide in him. So for some of you, you might felt convicted earlier about forgiving someone who owes you something. You might even say, I don't even know how I can forgive this person. You know how you're going to forgive them? When you go to your father in prayer today and you say, Father, your word says that I need to forgive this person who's wronged me. I don't have the strength to forgive them. And your Father who is in heaven, who sees you in secret praying, He's going to strengthen you. He's going to give you grace so that you can forgive your enemies. You can be like Jesus on the cross. Think of this. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who reigns over all creation. This Jesus allows His creatures to crucify Him. And then He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. How can someone say that? He should have called on every angel in heaven to wipe out the entire earth. What a merciful God we serve and what an example of humility, an example of forgiving those who wrong us. We need to follow our Lord Jesus in our actions. We need to be clothed in humility. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Some translations don't have this ending. Um, it's... Uh, there's some manuscripts have it, some manuscripts don't. Some people believe it's a scribal edition. Some, we don't need to go into it. If you have confusion about that, just come see me later. Um, I'm a Bible college student. I'll talk ear off. <laughs> Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. We started with God. Who is God? You know, He's the great God who dwells in heaven. He's the loving Heavenly Father who knows your needs and provides for you. And we finish after making our requests with, Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. We worship Him. We give Him praise. We give Him thanks. And so I'd encourage you, as you pray, sandwich your prayers between God, if I can say it that way. Remember God at the start and remember God at the finish. No matter what your circumstances are like in the middle, no matter what your complaints, what your heartache, what your pains, the things you're struggling with, and start and end with God. God is king. God rules. God deserves my praise even in the midst of my storms. He is worthy to be praised and worshipped. So in conclusion, I just want to pray through the Lord's Prayer as a paraphrase, sort of uh, in line with what I've just preached. And I'll get the worship team to come up and we'll, we'll, we'll conclude in a song. If you don't know God as your Father, I'd invite you this morning to trust in Christ to know that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you of all of your sin, to know that through Christ you can come to the Father. He is the door. He is the entrance point to a relationship with the Father. The resurrected Lord Jesus can bring you near. 
to your Father in heaven so that you can know him in that loving, intimate way. Let's pray together. Our Father who is in heaven, Lord, we, we acknowledge that you are our loving heavenly Father, that you inhabit eternity. Lord, you dwell in the high and holy place and with him who is of a broken and contrite spirit. And you do provide our needs. You're a better father than we are. You're a better parent than we are. But we are your children. And as it says in Romans 8, you've given us the spirit of adoption by which we can call you Abba Father. Daddy God, that you would provide for our needs. Thank you, Father. Hallowed be your name. Lord, we want to give glory and honor to your name. We want to worship you and revere your name as holy. And Lord, we desire that your name be exalted among the nations, that all people would come to know you as the true and living God, that all people would be in submission to you. Lord, that you would be pleased, that your creation would come under your lordship. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Lord, we long for that day where death will be no more, suffering will be no more. But we also ask, Lord, that your kingdom would advance across the earth that you would use us, Lord, fill us with your spirit to preach your word, to bring the knowledge of you to those who don't know you, to those who are in darkness, that they would be freed by the Son of God, the one who has all authority would free them from their bondage. And Lord, we, um, we want to say we need our daily bread. God, that you would see our needs. I thank you that you do see our needs. And Lord, we also want to confess our sin, the sin of unforgiveness towards others. Lord, for those who have wronged us, we just bring them before you, Lord, and we just, um, we just release them of the debt that they owe us. And Father, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you that we can walk before you in the light. And uh, Lord, yeah, we just, we just worship you. We don't want to um, go out in our own strength, Lord. We want to know your strength. So thank you for your grace, which is sufficient for us. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. You're worthy of our worship. Lord, be exalted in your creatures and receive our worship now, Lord, that it be pleasing in your sight, that it would bring joy to your heart. Thank you that we can come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.